This is Wednesday night Bible study here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Pentecostalist Church on this November the 1st with our C Director, Reverend Mac Perry, chosen to serve. We'll be out of the book of Acts tonight. Here's Brother Mac. Good evening. Welcome. Thank you for being at our Bible study tonight. Uh, so glad to see all of you. Uh, tonight we'll be continuing in the book of Acts. We will finish up chapter 5, the last three verses. So we'll finish up uh, the the... Twelve disciples being arrested and then uh, leaving and, and going back to the church and uh, finishing that up chap that finishing that chapter up. But we're starting chapter six and I'm titling the first uh, couple maybe four verses uh, "Chosen to Serve." Uh, so that's the title of the message tonight. Um, but before we get into the message, just a couple announcements, reminders. Uh, all Sunday. Uh, we do have a special speaker coming in, Ron White. He is uh, the one Farrell asked to fill in for him uh, probably a month or so ago because Farrell was going to do Tyler Jernigan's homecoming, right? So uh, Farrell found someone to come in. So looking forward to seeing Ron White Sunday morning. But Sunday night, the adults that uh, are still here will continue with our um, uh, service on Sunday night. But the youth and all that want to go with them are going to the... Uh, um, Judgment Day event uh, up in Goldsboro. They'll be leaving here about 4.45. Uh, and they uh, have an appointment, I think, there at 5.20. So uh, uh, the bus will be leaving about 4.45 for all those that want to go see that live drama at that church. It's always good every year. We've been many times, and it's really good. So uh, be uh, part of that if you'd like to. Uh, looking at uh, tonight, getting started with our Bible study, we start with prayer. Have many, many, many things to, to pray about. Uh, you know, when you watch the news and what's going on over in Israel, uh, it's very sad. And, uh, you know, uh, us believing and understanding the Bible and knows what it means to Israel right now. We need to be praying for Israel. We need to be praying. And, uh, you know, God is not going to let us down. It's... Uh, it says uh, where Jesus was born, the loved place for uh, Jesus is his hometown. So uh, let's be praying for Israel um, and also continue to pray for Pastor Farrell. I got a text this, this week that he's got some kind of virus. I think I got it yesterday. He's very sick um, and uh, not doing well. So let's pray for uh, Brother Farrell uh, this week. Uh, I understand that Farrell has already... Uh, mentioned to uh, Tyler that he won't be able to do the homecoming. So uh, Pastor Farrell will be home uh, Healy. So let's be praying for Pastor Farrell. Uh, also looking in our bulletins, continue to pray for Sister Mary and Buddy and Kay Barbie. And Danny Pittman has an upcoming surgery. Let's remember him. Josephine Brazel, she's continuing to heal and still in some pain. And... Uh, Remember Miss Debbie Bennett and uh, Carol Rogers. Uh, Jerry and Francis, I, I don't see them tonight, so let's continue to pray for them. And uh, also Robbie Thompson, we heard good news. He's uh, got some movement now, so let's uh, continue to pray for him that God will continue healing him. Would you stand with me as we open up with prayer if you would like to stand with us? And uh, uh, is there something on your heart tonight you want to raise your hand? Uh, um, uh, definitely tonight we will all do as we always do. We'll end with prayer, and there's some very special things that we need to pray about. And if you have something on your heart that, or you have a special need, just come up and we will pray for you also. Let's pray together. Father, thank you 
Thank you, dear Jesus, for loving us. We praise you tonight. Hallelujah. We praise you tonight and thank you for all that you do for us and every day that you're with us, dear Lord. Be with us tonight in this Bible study, Lord. You're always embodied, Lord, and thank you for your presence, Lord. We love you tonight and for everything that you do for us, Father. Touch our young people tonight. Touch this service, this Bible study. Let this be your Bible study, Father. Use me as your tool, dear Father, to spread your word, dear Jesus. And Lord, all these special requests in our bulletin, all the things on our hearts and minds, Lord, we give them to you, Lord, in a special prayer lifted up tonight for Israel and for our pastor, Lord. Be with them, Lord. Touch them. You know the need, dear Jesus. Lord, and we thank you for everything that is accomplished in your name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. So as usual, we're going to uh, uh, catch up a little bit where we're at. Uh, last uh, Bible study a couple weeks ago, I believe, uh, last week was the uh, uh, ministries meeting, but uh, we were in verse 25 and 26. We started where uh, the uh, 12 apostles had been arrested and uh, they... Uh, God had uh, sent an angel and uh, got them out of jail, and they were the next morning out in the uh, courtyard uh, uh, at the temple still uh, uh, teaching and preaching. And uh, the verses tell us that the uh, someone come in saying, well, they're standing out there uh, still preaching and teaching. And the temple guard goes out and gets them and brings them in before the Sanhedrin court. And they had brought the whole Sanhedrin court this time 70-some or 80-some, I mean, it's a lot of rulers, lawmakers, a little bit of everything in there. And it was all the, the, the leaders of the country there and, uh, or the Jewish people. And uh, uh, they uh, uh, got together to discipline these 12, to make a decision about the 12 apostles. Uh, they didn't have to use force to arrest the 12. When the temple guard went out, they just went with them. And first of all, the temple guard would very concerned that they didn't want to use force because they fit, they thought maybe the people might stone them because they loved these 12 apostles uh, and they respected them and knew they were godly men. So, But on the other hand, the, the, the uh, 12 apostles went freely anyway. And then when we look at 27 and 28, um, the, I, I, find, I found it interesting to mention to you that the very first thing they asked when you're reading the verses, they, it wasn't about how you got out of jail that night and went out in the temple. They didn't want to hear about no miracles. They didn't want to hear about nothing wonderful that God was doing or through Jesus was doing. So what they did is brought out of the uh, first question was, you know, uh, you know, we told you not to go back out there and do it, and you're defying us. You're, you're going against the word. And they couldn't use the word of Jesus. They couldn't word, use the name Jesus, so they were very derogatory and saying, you know, this name, this name, this person. Uh, so they, they couldn't even say the name. They didn't want to say the name. They didn't believe in it. Uh, I think they were all afraid to use his name because I think about, I think I mentioned last uh, message that they really was seeing, you know, the crippled man walk, and they saw all the miracles. They saw all these people being blessed. So they knew there was something there down deep in their heart, and I believe they were afraid of this name. I believe they were scared of this name. Uh, uh, so uh, 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 I, I do believe, though, it was a great admission when they used the words in the Scripture when we were reading in verses that, you know, their comment was something along that, you are starting to fill Jerusalem with your teaching. 
So that was a, actually a compliment in a way. You think about it. They were filling all the city with the word of God. So that was, it was fast, uh, you know, uh, the word was going out very quickly and people were being uh, blessed. So in verse 29, when they asked the question, first thing Peter, Peter didn't apologize without any hesitation. He just said, you know, we must obey God. We don't obey man. We, we don't, we, you know, we are to do what God wants us to do. And that's what they said. And they, and the apostles were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. And, and, you know, that's sometimes hard to do, to stand up boldly and go do what God wants us to do. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We, we need His courage and His strength. Uh, when we got to 30 and 31, as we we're starting to finish up, Peter didn't hesitate to remind them how, um, God, uh, the same Jesus, the same God, was, the, was uh, the, your fathers of, and the fathers of Moses and all of our ancestors just saying, this Jesus is real. He is the Messiah. He is the one. Peter began to preach to him a message that, uh, you know, he was raised up and you, you guys killed him on the cross. And, you know, Peter was letting them know that he was preaching to him. He was letting them know, giving them a chance to repent. Because, uh, you know, d- that was what God wanted them to do. And I believe God put him in that position to give them a message of who God really was. So God put, uh, God put him in that position and he did exactly. But you know what? They had so much hatred, so much jealousy. And it tells you what that kind of uh, thing can do to you, how much, what hatred can do to you. It, it blocked their uh, understanding. It blocked their, their, their wanting to, to uh, repent. It blocked everything about them. And that's what hatred and jealousy can do. So uh, um, we don't want things like that to be put in our lives. Uh, we don't want that to happen, and we need the Holy Ghost all the time to help us with that. Uh, God, Peter let them know that God gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit also in the Scriptures. You may remember he said he left the Holy Spirit to give us the power to go do what we're doing. And guys, this is available to you, this same Holy Spirit. Um, um, so 30, uh, verse 33 tells us that the the majority of the Sanhedrin took uh, his words to mean something along the lines of accusing them of murder along with crucifying and, and their guilt was starting to come out and it, it really upset them so, uh, so bad. Instead of repenting, they were furious and angry at, at his preaching and teaching and they just automatically said, kill him. The verses tell, said, tell us. They, they, they just kill him. And in verse uh, 34, as usual, the Sadducees took the lead against the apostles and said, let's, let's kill them. But someone stood up. A Pharisee among them stood up. He gave me, gave me Leo, I think is his name, uh, an expert teacher in the law, well respected in the law. He started, he stood up and started telling them about, uh, um, you know, a couple of stories, a couple of things about we, we, uh, you know, it's going to die down. It's not going to happen because, you know, I can give you two examples. And he, he repeated the examples of how one uh, guy stood up and started getting about 400 people. The scriptures tell us to follow him. All of a sudden he was killed and then the followers just disbanded and it was no longer existed. And then he kept, he, what he was implying that, you know, Jesus, Jesus is now crucified. He's dead. You know, these followers are going to 
dissipate too. They're going to just disband and they, they are not going to be no longer a problem. So that's what he's trying to tell them. And then verse 37, he gives them another uh, example of another guy named Judas that grew a revolt against the government and, and they were scattered as soon as the guy was, died also. So, uh, Gamaliel was a smart man, but he, he wasn't a religious man. You could tell he was, he was somewhat of a hypocrite. For he didn't accept who Jesus was either, nor did he admit all the wonders. He didn't stand up for Jesus, but he, you know, he supposedly was one of their religious leaders. I believe was God was still in control of that whole thing, that whole meeting that I talked to you about, and uh, and uh, God knew what was going to happen uh, right into tonight's message also. So let's go into the uh, message and uh, tonight when we read uh, verses 40-42. What happens now is uh, Gamaliel, uh, Liel, he uh, convinced them. Listen to what it says. And to him they agreed. So they agreed to him. And when they had called the apostles back in, they called them in and had them beaten, is what it says. And beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And in verse 41, and they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Isn't that wonderful? To be, and when I tell you a little bit about that whip again, that same whip they used on Jesus, they went out rejoicing. They went out rejoicing. Sometimes when you feel like you're whipped, we need to go out and rejoicing, especially if we're standing up for Jesus. And then I... Um, 42 is, I find, uh, you know, just a, a fearless boldness in these, uh, this first church, these, uh, tw- especially these 12 apostles. And in those, da- I mean, uh, and daily, uh, 42, let me finish that first. In 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that some tonight. And then let's go into chapter 6, our, our message for tonight. And in those days, when the number of the disciples, these pages are wore out. <laughs> Thank God. In those days, um, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, so they were growing daily, they were growing every day, there arose a murmuring of the Galician or the Greeks against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration or the daily giving of food. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason, so they called the church together, it is not reason, it is not good, that we should leave the word, leave teaching the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Then verse 4, I think I'll stop there. When we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So what they're saying is they give the uh, church the approval and the, the requirements for them to go choose seven men 
to help them because their priority was teaching the Word, and that was most important to them. And it wouldn't be good for them to be distracted from teaching the Word. I I have to say to you, as a deacon, uh, this I taught this uh, same uh, scriptures, I don't know, many years ago, and uh, some of you that remember it, uh, when I got into the scriptures about Stephen, it'll be hard for me not to shed some tears because I tell you, it is near and dear to my heart about deacons and their responsibilities. And I believe what we're going to be held accountable for as deacons. Uh, and right here in this very important uh, four scriptures tells us exactly what the deacons are supposed to be doing and what they, why, God wants deacons in a church. And now we'll talk about later on down the road, the number seven. I won't really get into that tonight, but there's a specific reason, I believe, for the number seven. So let's get into, uh, first of all, finishing up 42-42. I do have a a couple comments to make. Um, So uh, Gabe Melia's words did have a positive effect on the Sanhedrin, so they listened to him. As I said, they were a uh, very, uh, very popular man and a very pop, uh, uh, knowledgeable man. A lot of wisdom sounds like. He convinced them not to kill him. But they did fog him or whip him just to remind us what that is. And for these uh, 12 apostles to go away rejoicing is uh, uh, just something that we, we ought to let set in our heart about what our commitment should be to go out and serve the Lord and do His work and His will and to go out and, and tell people about the whip, tell people about God. The whips were designed and made, if I remember, if I, I think I told you before, the whips, the, the leather pieces at the end has little bitty pieces of metal in it. It is designed to take the skin off, to make it bleed, to leave gashes in it in you. And normally you got 39 lashes, the same thing that Jesus got. So these apostles each received 39 lashes and they did it in the name of Jesus. Mark 13, I did think about Mark 13 and 9, uh, Jesus had warned his disciples that this exact thing would happen, that they would receive suffering and they would be persecuted in His name. And, and you know, some of this stuff is already coming to, uh, to fruition or, or true, as Jesus said it would. So then the Sanhedrin wants to order, once again, order them and do not speak this person's name. You cannot say this name. And this time Luke tells us it's the name of Jesus just to clarify to let us know. But the Sanhedrin did not use the name Jesus. The San, but the thing I think about what, the, what was in the Sanhedrin's minds was that they uh, recognized that this name had power. This name Jesus give them what drove them. Give them the authority. Give them the, uh, you know, the power that they needed. And as long as they could speak Jesus' name, they would continue to have that power. And I think because they recognized that, they, uh, you know, the Sanhedrin didn't want them to use the name, so they could not use the name. They were specific about that. They didn't say go out and do not preach and teach. They said do not go out and use this name. You know, that tells us 
about the power of Jesus Christ. That is the name that we should be speaking and living by and teaching. And that's what it's telling us tonight in that. And the Sanhedrin knew there was power in that name. And without the message and the name of Jesus or the message about Jesus, they thought what the Sanhedrin said, if they can't say that anymore, they lose their power. They will also scatter and go away. As we all know, that did not happen. So when we look at verse 41, the the apostles left the presence of the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had counted worthy. You know, we go through a lot of trials. We go through a lot of things that's difficult in our life. And uh, one of the things that I've, I've taught in the past and I continue to have in my heart is every child trial is a lesson to be learned and a blessing to be had is the way I look at it. That's the way we should look at it. That's the way they looked at it. They were serving a God that was going to bless them and continue to bless them and give them power that they needed to do what they needed to do. And they, they enjoyed what, the, you know, what they did, even though it was a beating. We're not to enjoy our trials, I don't think, but I do know that God can give us a peace and get us through them. He'll be there with them. And they knew that. They were happy to suffer in their name. Verse 42, in spite of the warnings, I love this, the apostles freely continued teaching in the ministry. Every day, God continued to add to the church. Every day. They did not cease teaching. They did not cease preaching. They did not cease giving the good news. It's a strong message for us today, what we should be doing as much as we can in our moments in our life, as long as we're alive. I think no matter what the age uh, and no matter how young, when God gets a hold of your heart, it, it, the Holy Spirit has a earning, puts a earning in our heart, a yearning in our heart to go tell somebody about Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It, it, it just motivates us. It commits us to go see people saved. Holy Spirit is powerful. But they, they defied the wording from man to continue to do what the Holy Spirit told them to do. And that's what we have to do sometimes. Um, it was now time uh, when I, I look at uh, um, the church growing uh, and, and teaching. You know, I, I, I do want to say that uh, something I, you'll notice as we go through, not, not a single time, no, no more does it tell us in the scriptures that the, disciples, or the apostles went out and the, and the Christian church, the Christian went out back to the temple and taught again. This was the last time that we hear about that. Y'all know why? They have been very successful there. They've done the work there. And what did God say in Acts 1 and 8? Go out into the Judea, Samaria, and all the other countries and all the nations. While we don't hear about it in the temple no more, we hear about it uh, as we read through Acts the word is spreading everywhere. They're carrying the great commission out. They're doing what God asked them to do. That's why we don't read it no more in, in, uh, uh, about the temple. It was important. They still went daily there and prayed. I, I believe that every day. But what the message is, is that they took the message to the world. Now let's look at Acts uh, 1 through 4 that I just read to you in chapter 6. First I want to kind of summarize 
when I think about chapter 4, it tells us about, first of all, the sin that attacked the church as it was getting started when you read chapter 4. And that was the Sanhedrin court. It attacked the church. It attacked each one of them, arrested the 12 apostles. And uh, God, the Holy Spirit, got them through that. They were successful. They continued to grow. They continued to be bold. They continued to be united. Acts 5, when we read chapter 5, as we just concluded, sinned, attacked from inside and outside. Inside, remember the story of Ananias and his wife? They lied to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, they dropped dead. So on the inside, sin began on the inside of the church. And the Holy Spirit took care of that. It sent a clear message, a very clear message. And now, when we're looking at chapter 6, we are presented some other things going on in the church. The, the devil is constantly trying to tear the church down, inside, outside, sideways, highway, upway, every way it can. So tonight we want to talk about um, the first, I don't know that I call it sin, but I believe sin was involved when you start having grumbling and griping and unhappiness, and, and it, it can cause division. So when we read, we find that the number of disciples were rapidly increasing, mostly because they were learning. This is something in my heart. I think about the more each one of those apostles and the more the disciples or the Christians were learning about God, the more the Holy Spirit wanted them to go teach it. Wanted them to go spread the word. So the more they studied, the more they prayed, the more they learned. Hallelujah, they wanted to go tell somebody. So that's what they were doing and the word was spreading. The church was growing. And as the church was growing, uh, more and more different cultures were getting into the church. More and more people with different thoughts, different ideas, different opinions, different needs we're coming into the church. And that's okay. That's what the church is all about. We want to take the all people and pull them together and unite them in one way, in one focus, and that is in Jesus Christ. So when the culture was changing, you know, a little bit about the culture, uh, getting into the story tonight about uh, the seven chosen. In the culture, at that time, uh, men could find jobs and work and support the family. But you may not know this if you have never studied that culture, but at that time, the widows, if their husbands died or passed away or whatever, the widows couldn't get jobs. Do y'all know what happened if somebody didn't help them? Many starved to death. That's a fact. Many widows starved. When you study the culture, many widows starved to death. So this was very important to the church. It was not uncommon in those days for the Gentile widows to really uh, starve to death because it was hard for them to get jobs and to get uh, assistance. Uh, but God's church, as we learn, is for everybody. And we know the Gentiles were also, God was saving them and they were coming into the church. So as the church was growing, I can imagine it was getting more and more difficult for the 12 apostles to continue to take care of everything. Think about that. 
That's a big task. Um, so some intent, so tension was growing between some of the groups, the Grecian Jews or the Greek-speaking Jews, who probably were born in other lands or other areas, and the Hebraic or Jews or the Hebrew Jews, which were the Hebrew-speaking Jews that were local. So the language barrier itself was difficult. And as we know, language barrier today can be difficult in understanding and communicating. And it's easy in a church for the minority group especially to get overlooked. And that's what was going on. Or get neglected, especially if they don't understand the language and can't communicate. So the complaining and grumbling was brought to the attention of the apostles. These These complaints immediately touched those apart. The Holy Spirit was touched. They were touched. And they knew spiritually this is not good. This is not good. You know, I think about, I thought about a lot of things that I studied this. I'll try to remember some of them. But the threatening of the spiritual unity is a really critical thing that leadership in a church needs to address when there's division about something. It is very important, very critical that it is dealt with. Uh, so as these leaders did, they did not want the church in any way to be divided. So verse 2 tells us that the twelve apostles recognized the problem and called the multitude together. And what, what touched me a little bit of humor, they called a meeting. <laughs> they called a meeting in the church. They got the church people together. They got the, the, all the believers together, the multitude, and told them that it would not be right for them to be uh, uh, um, taken away from spreading the gospel, spreading the word, studying the word, praying, it would not be good. It wouldn't be satisfactory. It wouldn't be acceptable to do that, for them to abandon that in any way. So they they felt that was their calling. So, uh, uh, you know, when you think about what the apostles were doing at that time, they were, and this church is really growing every day, pastor, they were the evangelists, they were the teacher, they were the counselors, they, they were the caretakers, they, the, they were everything to the body of the believers. And they were concerned, they were very concerned over the spiritual and physical needs and the material needs of everyone that was there. So it was a great need that, was, that, that needs to be done, that need to be taken care of. The great need made them aware of the importance. It was brought to their attention and the Holy Spirit immediately, I believe that they immediately prayed, I believe that the Holy Spirit immediately gave them the understanding of what they needed to go do. And it helped them to understand, it helped the twelve to understand that they needed to delegate the authority and responsibility to seven men to help them. Now I believe there's another side to that story And that is the people needed to understand through the Holy Spirit that there is now going to, it's not going to always be the pastor that takes care of the needs of the church. That they had to believe and understand and cooperate. You know, that these seven men are going to be the one. So it was a two-fold understanding that the Holy, the Holy Spirit obviously guided them and put them all together in, and so they would cooperate and work together. And then when you look at verse 3, they told the believers uh, in the church to choose among them seven men 
honest and full of the Holy Spirit, which means also wisdom and understanding. And these men would oversee. This is a very important point also. Um, the way the scriptures read, I believe it used the word the business of the church. Let me make sure that my, my brain is right, but I believe that's what it said. Um, and uh, that's, a, that's a word that could, if you don't understand what it's meaning here in Hebrew. And it did say, uh, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. This makes it uh, clear what that means. Uh, I think it's important to understand as a deacon that uh, when you see that word business, it doesn't mean only financial business, running the day-to-day finances and running the day-to-day decision-making. That, when it said this business, we're reading in the first two or three verses the problem, and that is taking care of the flock, taking care of the people, taking care. So that means a whole lot of things. And I thought about, Lord, do you want me to go into detail all that means? But I will say over the next few lessons, I will talk about it more and more about the responsibilities uh, of a deacon. And uh, I take it near and dear to my heart. I think every deacon should. And when you consider being a deacon, you need to think about it. Now, they don't use the word deacon here. Let me continue. Tell... Tell us the twelve. The, the, this verse tells us twelve apostles recognized the problem and called the multitude together. As I said, they told them it would not be right. I went through that. So, um, um, I'm sorry. I suppose to start in verse three. Verse three. They told the believers, the church, to choose among themselves seven men, honest and full of, you know, the spirit. The twelve apostles laid down the qualifications. And the people of the congregation were supposed to look at those qualifications. That means, you know, full of the Holy Spirit, wisdom, honest men. Uh, They're supposed to look over the congregation and see who met those qualifications. So when I think about what the apostles said to them, not only was the men that they chose supposed to meet these requirements, but they in their heart needed to pray And they were responsible, they're taking the responsibility of choosing the right seven uh, candidates. Y'all understand what I'm saying there, what I mean by that? We all have a responsibility of putting who we feel is the godly people that God wants in those positions. And I stress that a lot. And apostles prayed and trusted God and trusted the Holy Spirit to lead the congregation collectively to unite together with wisdom to choose the right men. So they turned over that responsibility and told them to go choose those people. You know, I'm probably emphasizing a whole lot here, but for us as a church, it's so important. We're down to six deacons now. We have one more that we need to put in position. This board... uh, based on the bylaws and based on, uh, you know, the, the, the handbook bylaws, we could, as six, vote in a temporary or an intern deacon to make us seven. Because seven is biblically what God wants us to, to be. And 
one of the things that's very important is voting. I mean, for seven is the odd number. Right now, if we were three to three, we, we'd have to pray and decide what we're going to do. But it's very biblical. What we as a board decided is that uh, um, that is a very important position, and we feel like we can wait a few months and we'll let the Lord guide us through the next few months, but to the next election and let God do what he said, what the apostles told him to do. Let the congregation pick, not what man says, but let the congregation pick the next deacon. And so that's what we're going to do. So pray for us. Uh, uh, pray for your six deacons. And in the next meeting that we have, a uh, business meeting or qualification meeting, uh, what do we call it, a yearly meeting, we'll, we'll, we'll go through a process to at least get one and we'll let, hopefully we'll have a pastor by then and we'll, let that pastor decide what he wants to do with the present six. But the bottom line is, we do need one, and we want to let God's people choose that one. So uh, the seven were not called deacons at this time. Uh, although the verb, uh, very important, uh, there's verbs here that imply servant carrying out this kind of business is a servant. And also we'll learn later on about what a true servant is. And by the way, the word deacon comes from the word servant. So obviously it's meaning seven servants. Deacons are servants. I I fully believe that. I'm convinced of it 100%. And uh, I believe the church, uh, you know, ought to follow what God says about deacons. All right. I don't know why I got off on that. Well, didn't mean to. But, uh, uh, some think the, the, the number seven is uh, significant in meaning and different things. We know in the Bible, throughout the Bible, there's many incidents of, incidents of the number seven, and we'll talk about them in the future. I do believe, without any doubt, the number seven is what God wanted as far as deacons. Uh, to our last verse tonight, as I conclude, Choosing the seven uh, enabled the apostles to go and constantly pray, constantly tell the word. I think about pastors um, today and what churches do sometime in that they depend on the pastor for all the spiritual guidance, for all the uh, visitations, for all everything. They And you know what? It's great. Uh, we've had pastors that did that, and that's wonderful, and that's okay. I know pastors in the heart want to do that. I, I believe in that. But also, I believe that deacons ought to take on the responsibility and, and will be held accountable, I believe, for being a servant to God's people. Uh, if I stepped on your toes today, I stepped on mine this week. God bless you. All right. Uh, while the deacons took care of the business of the church, uh, uh, the, 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 the pastor uh, spent uh, their time spreading the word in gospel. I believe these verses tonight clearly let us know what God intended for uh, the seven men or the deacons that we will learn later. But the one word that st- stands out to me more than anything else is servant. God bless you. Thank you. Would you stand with me as we're dismissed?
You know, let's come forward and and uh, pray. We we certainly have a lot to pray about. We we have a lot to be thankful for. I don't never want to forget how good God is to us. But uh, with all the things going around us and and the really really special need of needing a pastor is uh, heavy on your deacons' hearts, and I know it's heavy on your hearts. Um, the deacons are. Um, uh, looking at uh, possibilities and opportunities and things and talking about a lot of different things. And uh, we'll, as uh, soon as we have something nailed down, we will let you know. But right now, uh, it's early. It's very early. And I'll be honest with you all, um, even the couple candidates that I've talked to, I let them know we're going to be very patient and wait on the Lord. We, we got at least two candidates now. And... Uh, I really believe that, uh, uh, as I said to them, and you know what? They said, yeah, that's what we want you to do. We want God's will. We want God's will. We want it to be the right thing. So uh, pray for us. We're going to be patient. Uh, a month from now, I'm still going to really try to be patient. Two months from now, if we haven't found the right one, I'm going to be patient. Uh, help me, because I'm not a patient person. <laughs> But, but uh, I know God can help us, and uh, so let's pray for that. And uh, uh, it is really terrible. If you, I don't see but a little bit about what's going on in Israel, but I know how important what's going on over there to, to God and, and what's going on is uh, important to the people there very much and to us all as Christians. And, uh, you know, you may not know this, but there's missionaries over there right now. There's missionaries over there. God needs to... We need to pray that God puts his hand on and protect them. Um, if you have something special you want to pray about, come forward. But we're going to go ahead and start praying and, uh, and uh, start out just praising God and thanking God. Dear- the Pine Level Pentecostal Church Incorporated, copyright 2023.